This is an ABC podcast. Have you ever sat at work thinking, Houston, we have a problem. Common sense has left the room. I know I have. And so has brand and culture transformation expert, Martin Lindstrom. So a couple of years ago, I was in Miami. I checked into this hotel and uh, I wanted to watch television. So I grabbed the remote control and I looked at it and it looked like a space shuttle just about to take off. It had three numerical keypads. Pads. It had uh, six arrows going up and down in random orders. It had, uh, guess what? It had A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever that meant. And then it had not one, but two on buttons. So I fiddled around with this device for a second. And after five minutes, I managed to switch on the television, almost feeling like I really achieved something in my life here. So I watched television, right? And after five minutes, I wanted to switch it off or rather I tried to switch it off because this remote, of course, did not have one. It had two off buttons. And when I pressed the first off button, it was like the light was dimming in a nice, moody, sexy way in the room. And when I pressed the second off button, the air conditioning system switched off. But of course, the television was still running, right? And I really didn't think a lot about it except one thing. I remember recalling the feeling of, my God, I'm really stupid. I'm getting too old. I can't even switch off the television anymore. So I clearly was blaming myself. Until the minute where I was sitting on a plane heading for JFK. And believe it or not, I actually sat next to a person who was the engineer of that very remote control I had been fiddling around <laughs> with a couple of months earlier. I said, you must be f***ing kidding. What the heck went wrong with you guys? And he looked at me like a deer in the headlight. And he said, what do you mean? So I pulled up this PowerPoint presentation and showed him his remote. And he started to explain how he actually had separated every zone into different departments. Because he said, we had internal problems. Netflix, they wanted to have state, they called it real estate on the remote. And then you had TiVo and you had the recording device and you had 24-7 hip hop in the 80s type of music channel division running. And all these different divisions that wanted to have each of the different departments on that remote control. So he came up with this brilliant idea. Why don't we separate everything into zones? Uh, so I said to him, so that means you have three numerical keyboards. He said, absolutely, but it worked. We all know exactly our responsibilities. It really is functioning. And I paused for a second. I said to him, except one thing, I don't know how to switch on the television. And it really reminded me about the fact that it's a little bit like, I remember Sydney Harbour Bridge always talked about how a little crack on the side of the bridge will sort of indicate a deeper, you know, issue inside the bridge. And that's a little bit how this remote control were. You saw the very final outcome of a dysfunction inside an organization where suddenly the world was more important looked at from the inside out rather from the outside in. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong and today on This Working Life, I'm relearning how to bring common sense back into the workplace by establishing what Martin calls a ministry of common sense. And Martin has walked the talk. He's advised multinationals including Pepsi, Google, Burger King and Swiss Air. But let's get started in what traditionally has been one of the bastions of bureaucracy, banks. 
This whole story actually began when I was sitting with a lady at 2 a.m. in the morning from a bank called Standard Chartered. It's one of the largest banks around in the world. And she was furious. She was sick and tired of all the compliance and rules and regulations. So she said half jokingly, let's start up a ministry of common sense. And what we wanted to do was to vacuum clean one stupidity at a time out of the bank. And literally it became a website. And the website really had a simple purpose. It was to give people the opportunity to share their distress and their frustrations and the frictions they felt every day and kind of just unleash that belt or that stretch jacket they all were wearing. And here's the surprising part. Um, as we opened up this website and opened it up for all the floodgates of all the frustrations in the bank, <laughs> we had thousands of people coming with all the different frustrations. And we thought, oh, my God, you know, that will mean we have to spend days and months and years to solve all this stuff. But with every single issue, people always attached a solution to it. And even better, what I learned mm. from this whole process was we actually were just the mediators. We were just giving people a quality stamp saying, hey, here you go, just try to implement it. And it was almost like we established a psychological safety net within the organization. Just slowly, we were taking all this bad air out of the bank and converted it or replaced it with fresh air. And it was pretty remarkable, I have to tell you. Can you give us an example of something that was written up in the website and the solution, just to give us a flavour? Absolutely. I mean, one of the most remarkable things, Gail, that was uh, the name of the founder of this very term, she did very early on in the process was she said, how come it takes seven days to process a certain project, whatever document, case, alone, whatever it is. So she sat down and she said, I want to follow a case. So I want to become the case. And she literally became the case. She took the paper in her hand when it was submitted by a client and she walked around to the desk rather than emailing it to people. She became a living document and she would spend an entire week, seven days of doing it. And she would go into the eighth floor and the 19th floor and down to the second floor and she would jump into a car and go to the neighbor building. And after all this stuff, she concluded <laughs> the most horrible thing. No one was really looking at this paper, all these Rubber stamps was really never used, and there was really no idea about doing anything of this stuff. So she cut the whole thing down to a simple process, and suddenly she replaced everything to become a six-hour process instead, which were implemented a month later. And here's the funny thing. The customers actually started to complain that things were taking too – it was going too fast. They said, you can't spend this short time on approving things, which in the past would take seven days. But honestly, actually – the process was just as accurate. How would you define common sense? For example, how does it actually differ from something like logic? <laughs> well, common sense are defined as seeing things as they are and doing things as they ought to be done. Or said in another way, to treat consumers and employees as they themselves would expect to be treated. And really what it comes down to is that you should see the world through another point of view than the one you are sitting in right now. Uh, remember, the word common sense consists of the word common, and that's where it comes from. So really, it's all about adopting other points of views. I heard a good saying that 
often common sense is not that common at all. <laughs> so what factors do contribute to this loss of common sense, particularly in the workplace, Martin? Well, if I should build on what Benjamin Franklin once said, he said, common sense is something that everyone needs, few have and none think they lack. And my point here really is that you need to change the perspective. Um, here's what's so fascinating. There's a direct correlation between common sense and empathy. Uh, empathy are defined as the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing within their frame of reference. That is the capacity to place oneself in another's position. So what's fascinating about all this stuff is that if you have a high degree of empathy in an organization, you actually will notice there's a high degree of common sense. And of course, it's also reverse. So the first thing I've learned is to have people feel the pain the customer is feeling uh, or perhaps even the patient is feeling. I think the best way to illustrate that is a large pharma client I work with, um, the largest player in the respiratory field. And, and these guys, they were, um, they were frustrated about why they couldn't get closer to the patients. So I said to them, when did you last talk to the patients? Now, this company has been around for 100 years. They said, never, never. Seriously, oh. never, never. So I said, why? Wow. Well, compliance don't want to allow it. And that's rules and that's regulation. Yes, I said. So we actually went back. We convinced people in compliance to change their mind. And off we went to a a real home in Italy. And here there was this uh, wonderful 20-year-old lady. She had had asthma entire life. And I asked her this profound question. How did it feel like to have asthma as a child? And she started to cry. And you could clearly see this has affected her a lot. She talked about how she was teased in school, how she had no friends. In fact, how she was a disgrace for human mankind. That's her quote. Uh, when she was invited to parties. So I said to her, listen, it feels like you really have changed a lot. Where, where did you get that self-confidence from you have right now? And she paused for a second and she pulled out her handbag. And out of her handbag, she pulled out a straw. And she said, this is my secret. I said, what do you mean? Well, I always give this straw to all my friends and colleagues and ask them to breathe through the straw while holding themselves for the nose. And then they certainly feel that empathy level, which I felt, that pain I felt as an asthma patient. So here's what I did. I stole that idea. Sorry, Lisa, I know you shouldn't steal, but I did. I took this <laughs> very concept to the board of this pharma company. And I switched off the light. And we played the sound of a person with heavy breathing like this. <gasps> very disturbing sound. And then I asked everyone to breathe through this straw. And after 30 seconds, one executive, he spit out the straw. He said, this is ridiculous. No one can live like this. And I said to him, except one thing, this is how you patients feel every minute of the entire life. And they're paying your salary. And if you could hear a penny drop on the floor, you certainly would have heard it. <laughs> it's almost like the whole company just flipped around. Suddenly they created empathy kit. They're employing people differently. R&D actually started to see the world and feel the world differently. And this comes back to your question, how do you implement common sense? Well, listen, we really didn't do it. Uh, what I did was to make people feel again. We installed or reinstalled, perhaps even reactivated the concept of empathy. And with that, there was a little bonus called common sense. 
You're listening to This Working Life. I'm Lisa Leong, and with me is brand and culture transformation expert Martin Lindstrom, author of Ministry of Common Sense, How to Eliminate Bureaucratic Red Tape, Bad Excuses and Corporate BS. What should we look out for? What are the signs that we may need a ministry of common sense in our own organisations? I think the first sign is frustrations, either internally or externally. Internally, I bet you, you on a day-to-day basis feel frustrations in all sorts of different ways. I mean, I'll give you an example. So I was doing this workshop for a media bank in New York City and um, uh, all these uh, bankers, they were very frustrated. So I had to ask them, why are you so frustrated? And they said, well, we received so many emails. How many? Eight I said, you must get 800 emails a day. I mean, just do the math. If you spend just one minute per email, that equals 13 hours of emails a day. And you haven't even begun working, I guess. So (laughs) I said to them, do you want to get rid of them? Absolutely. So I informed them about a very simple formula. There's a direct collision between the number of emails you send and the number of emails you receive. So I said, why don't we get rid of the CC button? Why don't we get rid of the reply all button? And of course, you could see the fear and compliance, but they accepted <laughs> it. And within, I think, half a year, the number of average emails received was around 360-something, nearly ha- more than half the number of emails. Here's what I'm saying is, when you feel you are wasting your time because your routines or because the pushback or because of the endless Zoom meetings or because of those regulations or that form you have to fill out to travel, which by the way, resets every half an hour or whatever it is, those passwords which happen to be 18 digits long, it has to be five uppercase, two lower class, five random numbers with five stars in it, which you have to put in at a random order. And if you and God forbid if you do this, if you recycle a password you used in 1825, which you really liked and it was really <laughs> complicated, then you're just out of there. Let's reset the entire form at the same time. When, when that happens from an internal point of view, then you know it's time to, to call the Ministry of Common Sense. From an outside point of view, it's the same. I mean, it, it happens in every corner of, of our life. Uh, for me, it, it, it happened when, I'll give you an example. I was actually checking in on a plane and, uh, and I was just bought, ordering this, um, this ticket online and uh, I wanted to return after three days. So I put it into the system. I got my, my, my ticket confirmed. I jumped on the plane and after three days, I returned back to where I was living and then the person behind the counter in the airport said to me, Mr. Lindstrom, you're really early on this plane, right? I said, no, not really. She said, well, you're one month ahead of time. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you booked it three days and one month ahead of time. I said, no, I didn't. So I pulled out the paper and she was right. You see, the system had programmed a little detail into this thing here, which meant that it would automatically add a month to the return flight, just to be sure every passenger would be absolutely on time. And of course, you don't look if it says 3rd of March, or it says 3rd of January. Uh, So you kind of just accept it. And here's the worst thing, and it comes back to the remote control story, that you blame yourself. 
you kind of say as a passenger or as a consumer, oh, yeah, silly me. I can't remember those 18 digits. Why didn't I look at this thing? How come I can't use that remote control? And you know when you reach that point where consumers blame themselves because they can't use your product or your service, that in fact common sense have left the room. And that's when it's time to revert that whole trend. And if I wanted to build a ministry of common sense at my organization, so at the ABC, what would you advise? How do I start, Martin? I would put the Ministry of Common Sense down in your lobby and <laughs> because you guys really need it. Right? And I would ensure. We all need it, don't we, Martin? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's be diplomatic here for a second. Well, here's the reality with the whole thing. That is that the older the organization is, the more bureaucratic it is, of course, the more you need a, a common sense. So I actually would uh, build up a simple website and I will encourage all the journalists and all the people working in the organization to identify three things which really frustrate you every day. And I'll take a photo of it, by the way. I'll take a photo of it because when you visualize things, it's so much easier to relate to. And I'll create, if it's physically, a, a wall where people would hang these photos on the wall with a little handwritten note. Maybe it's you using Polaroids or just ordinary photos. And then I will cluster them. And I'll say, oh, this cluster is really the number one frustration. And then I will say to four people, you are now in charge of getting rid of that. But I'll only give people 90 days to do that. We call that the 90-day interventions. And really it's the idea of solving it within 90 days. Why? Because we need to have an instant gratification going on here. We need to have a quick victory so you can get rid of the immune system, the defense mechanism for chains. Because here's the issue, and I'm jumping a little bit in this, but there was an experiment done with chickens. They were put into a cage and stocked in the cage for half a year. And one day the chickens were let out on the beautiful green grass and the sun was shining and the birds were singing. And guess what? The chickens went out and after 30 seconds, they went straight back in again. And I call that the chicken cage syndrome. And when you want to change big organizations, what it comes down to is that people are afraid. They're afraid of changing. What if I'll be fired? I'm not, my KPIs are not supporting it. So that's the reason why I had to break it down to small bite-sized initiatives and once you have that, celebrate the hell out of it within the organization. So you give people permission to continue adopting that change. And then you'll have another piece and another piece of initiative going on. And suddenly there's a culture transformation happening. Meet Lisa. She works for a large consulting firm where she's driving transformation and being rewarded in tiaras. Uh, how I brought it to my workplace when I first started, you have the advantage of being the new person with fresh eyes. So there was probably a few things I thought, oh, why did they do it that way? But the one I sort of became famous for was there used to be um, some software called Papercut that if you ever went to print anything, you had to assign a project number to the printing and then often you'd get to the printer and then you'd go, oh, I haven't pressed paper cut and you'd have to go back to your desk, press paper cut, assign it to a project number, which in actual fact no one did assign it to a project number. They just assigned it to something called admin. And I asked the question, why is this even happening? I spoke to IT and they said, oh, it's not us, it's finance. And then I spoke to finance and they said, oh, well, it's your people. Um, so it really was a relic from a past era 
when, you know, there was large volumes of printing and reports and that sometimes formed a disbursement charge to clients but that had actually gone many years ago but no one had thought to dismantle paper cup. So the result of getting rid of paper cup was um, that I got sent a sapphire and diamond tiara from our Gold Coast team but after that, that's sort of what started as what we called common sense broom initiatives. So if we found anything that was sort of old and no longer relevant, um, we sort of got out the common sense broom. Well, uh, it's important that we start doing this because I think some of these small, annoying bureaucratic things, they actually lead to disengagement and people sort of think, oh, you know, who are these management <laughs> that require us to do these silly things? And I think... By bringing in the common sense broom, it's it's really another word of, of empowerment. You know, you've, you're empowered to, you know, get rid of things that get in your way. I asked Martin how we could get our organisations on board when it comes to establishing a ministry of common sense. One of the things we've learned is that you need to earn money doing this stuff, which sounds a bit contour, you know, intuitive here. But money talks in corporations, uh, and if you can't do that, then at least improve it in terms of what we call the net promoter scores, so the customer satisfaction or the employee satisfaction. But when you earn money, split the fee into two things. Give one fee, donate one fee to the department which were part of this, and donate 50% to uh, the actual process of running the Ministry of Common Sense. Uh, let me just give you an example from a car brand we work with, which is Toyota. So Toyota many years ago um, were inventing the hybrid car and they wanted to be very focused on the environment. Um, so they put out um, a survey or an, a competition to, to all the engineers around the world saying to them, how could we support the environment while saving money at the same time? So all these brilliant engineers, of course, submitted all these crazy ideas and one was worse than the other. And no one really could crack that code. Now, here's what's happening. And this is, again, a crazy story. There's this school uh, tour going on. And one of the kids in that group, a nine-year-old boy, uh, his dad actually is working at Toyota. So he hears about this competition. And the class is going through whole Toyota and they end up um, back home. And then this kid comes up with a brilliant idea why don't you just switch off all the light? And if you know uh, Hans Christian Andersen, the fairy tale called The Empire's New Clothes, he doesn't wear any clothes and all of them saying, this kid is lying. But in reality, he was right. Because think about it. In Toyota, there is no one working because in those factory plants, they're all robots. So he was right in switching off the light and they did it. They saved money, millions. And yes, that actually fed the transformation of adding common sense into the organization. And I do think this is really my message. You can actually both save or earn money while actually bringing back common sense. And at what stage do we involve management in our Ministry of Common Sense? Or asked in another way, does the Ministry of Common Sense sit in the cabinet, Martin? <laughs> the, the top echelons of power. Yeah, well, go under the radar. That's my advice to you. Because here's the issue. As soon as you start talking with senior management, they want to have a strategy. They want to have a budget. They want to have evidence that this will work and you have no idea about if this will work or not. So here's what I've learned. Start with a small piece first. Um, typically, what I do is to do two things. I jump into what I call the express elevator. 
I, I get the mandate from the CEO that it's good, it's okay for you to have one initiative going. And then I take the express elevator down on the very ground. I talk to people on the ground. I talk to the receptionist. I talk to the cleaner. And that's where you'll see the truth. And by the way, these people quite often know a lot. They have a lot of great ideas. They've tried it. They've failed. They've been around for 27 years. They've given up. And when you listen to them and you pick up one of these ideas and you say to them, hey, I did like your idea. Let's make it happen. They will look at you in disbelief and they'll say, oh, I tried it 15 times. It will never happen. That's when you jump back into the express elevator. And you then say to the boss up there, hey, no, Paula, down on the ground, she actually have an idea. You get the permission. You implement it together with Paula. And once it happens, two things are happening in the organization. One, Paula becomes incredibly proud. The second thing is all the employees are saying, my gosh, this is really changing our organization. If Paula's idea now has become a reality, I can do the same. I love it. Thank you, Martin. Pleasure. Martin Lindstrom. And Martin's book is called The Ministry of Common Sense. This Working Life is produced by our own Minister of Common Sense, Maria Tickle. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, try not to throw remote controls. <laughs> Love your work. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.